Ready for some word? 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we want to begin. This has been the text, the foundational scripture for this series. I'm teaching today in our series, this is the seventh part, completing your course. Completing your course. I believe that God has a course designed, laid out for each of us to follow the path, to um, to do what He wants us to do, and, and, and then complete the course. And this is what Paul said about his. Uh, he wrote to Timothy, chapter 4, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. What he's saying there is basically, I'm about to die. The end of my life has arrived on the earth. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. That's interesting. So he was still alive, but he knew he had accomplished what God set gave him to do. He was done. All right? He's done with his, with his assignment. And he said, I, I, I finished it. I completed it. He said, I have kept the faith. And I didn't give it up. I didn't quit. I, I kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So he's saying, there's only one thing left for me, is reward time. Bring it on. I have totally done everything I was supposed to do. I mean, isn't that a good feeling? I mean, isn't that an exciting place to be? I think all of us want to be there. We can get to the end of our lives and say, yeah, I did it. That doesn't mean he lived a perfect life. You didn't live. I haven't lived a perfect life. That's not what he's talking about. Sins are forgiven. All right? We have our righteousness in Christ. But as far as accomplishing and completing the tasks that God has given us, that's up to us. It was up to him. And he said, I did it. Now I'm done. I'm about to get out of here. Oh, yeah. This is, this is an exciting thing. And so we're recognizing that God has a course for us. We can be on it. We can be off it. We can complete it. We can quit halfway. But God has given us the resources, the grace, the, the tools available so where we can come to the end of our lives and have this very same thing said about us. Now, now last time, uh, we were talking about the God factor. I hope you remember the God factor. It is this, this truth that everything we do, everything we do for God, in God's plan, in running our race, completing our course, uh, we need to be conscious of and aware of the reality that it is of God. Even when I do something for you, the truth is I'm doing it for God. And if I don't have God in mind in everything I do in my life and for Him, then I will likely be discouraged and probably quit because of the response of people is not always positive. Not, all, not always does everyone live up to the, the place that they're supposed to. You know, if I'm only giving and I'm thinking of what man is doing. If I'm only serving and it's based upon the reaction of the person I'm serving, whether they accept me, whether they approve of me, whether they appreciate me, I'm going to quit in the middle of this thing. Are you listening to me? Because there will be some positive experiences and there will be some negative experiences. But if I recognize that everything I do ultimately is to serve God, I know that He will never let me down. He will always be faithful no matter what in an individual does. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think it's proper and it's godly and it's right to have respect for and to honor humans, individuals, people that God has placed in our lives as... as uh, examples, authority as influences. Uh, but how many know there sh that should be measured? 
Because there is a possibility that even someone that you look, look up to and respect could fail you. But the question is, are you still going to serve God? Are you still going to live for Him after these other, other individuals fail? We can see throughout Scripture examples of people mightily used of God that made major mistakes. That got into major trouble. We have modern day examples of people that were highly influential. That failed in their personal life and let a lot of people down. But how many know God never lets you down? It just, it's just a testament. It's just a reality that God uses people who don't have their act completely together. <laughs> you know what? I mean, hopefully they... I mean, it's not... We're not making excuses for it because people should live righteous and have integrity and all those things. But God will continue to use people who don't do everything right. And are who, who are... You know, who potentially can make, uh, make big mistakes and disqualify themselves from, from position. Nevertheless, we need to always be mindful of the God factor. Okay? Let's go over to Hebrews, the, the 12th chapter, and, uh, and, and share with you a little bit more today about completing our course and about uh, what we might call rules for running. Are there any guidelines? Are there any, any principles? Are there any, any truths that we should be aware of and follow so that while we're running this race, completing our course, we do so in a proper way? We do so in a way that's glorifying to God, that is effect, effective in the earth, and, uh, and produces a good result. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews, we can read here in verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken... Let us have grace. Everybody say grace. By which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And so we can see something here that's very powerful. First of all, that he's presenting and proposing that we use the grace of God. That the grace of God is his is his ability. It's his uh, it's his favor. It's it's God enabling us to do what we couldn't do on our own. Okay, he says, use this grace to this end that your service of God would be done in such a way where it is acceptable. In other words, it's possible for someone to serve God in an unacceptable manner. It's possible for someone to do something for God. In other words, you look at them, they're doing the work, they're fulfilling a role, they're doing the job, but they're not doing it up to standard. They're not doing it in such a way where God is glorified, where it is the most effective in in helping people and getting whatever needs to be done, done. All right. He said the way you remedy this is you use the grace of God, you rely upon the ability and, fo- and power and favor of God so that you can serve God at a higher level. Everybody with me today? Okay. See, this is necessary to complete our course that we serve God in an acceptable way, not a way that's below the standards or expectations that God would have. Do whatever you do for God with the highest quality possible. And see, see, we never want to treat the things of God in a lesser way, where we just say, you know, that's good enough, or this, is, this should be good enough. No, 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 no. Uh, if it's the things of God, if it's the kingdom of God, it has eternal ramifications, and good enough is never enough. What's good enough? My best. And not just my best, my best empowered by God. 
I'm leaning on, relying upon, using His ability, His grace, His anointing. And now I can serve God in a way where huh, it's good. It's acceptable. Not mediocre. Do you know what I'm talking about here? We want to hear these words from the Master. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Not, you know, yeah, pretty good, you know. Come on in. It is okay. Could have been better. <laughs> Amen. We want to hear what? Well done. You did a good job. You did a great, you did a bang up job. You knocked it out of the park. Huh? And that's the kind of heart that we want to serve God with. It's another way to say this. It's, it's the word excellence. We want to serve God with excellence. We want to uh, serve Him at a high level. How many know when you do something with excellence, it honors God and it inspires people? I want to everything I do from, well, whatever I do in my life, to do so in a way where it, it honors God and others will look. Others that are observing will be inspired by it. And we want to do things around here in our church in such a way where God is glorified, but the world looks on. You know, others come in and see what's going on and they say, man, there's something about what they do. They do it with a standard. They do it with excellence. They, they, they really care about what they're doing. It's not just something that's unimportant. The Bible tells us about a guy named Daniel. Remember Daniel? Uh, in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, it reads this way, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. How did Daniel set himself above? Because of the excellent spirit that was in him. What does that imply? That excellent spirit wasn't in most people. Otherwise, he would have just been rising up to where everybody else was. But he went above where everyone else was because he had this excellent spirit about him. This is what we want to have. And, uh, you know, people have said, leaders have said that there's, you know, plenty of room at the top. Most people are fighting for position and it's all low level. But I tell you what, when people get this heart and this attitude and this mindset towards their life, towards their service of God, towards everything they do, that of excellence, it will allow them to excel in life. Praise God. And so I was considering uh, different qualities different things that can be in place in our, in our behavior, in our attitude. And, uh, and I want to give those to you today that will help, be, help you to be excellent in your life. These would be rules for running. They would, be, they, they would help you to accomplish what you set out to do in a manner that is acceptable to God. And so number one, I like to say it this way. Because I'm a Christian, number one, I always bring my best. Because I'm a Christian, I always bring my best. I'm talking about at church when I serve Him. I'm talking about on the job, wherever you're at. You always bring your best. Sometimes we call that your A game, right? That means you're not sloughing off. You, you, you have great respect for what you're doing. It's worth it. And so if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And it's worth giving your best and doing it right. What I'm talking about is being prepared. If you're going to bring your best, if you're going to do your best and give your best to God, you must prepare. You must be ready for what you're doing. 
you know, I, I've, I've been in church before, uh, not, quite a few times, listening to a person speak, and my perception was this, they didn't prepare. And I thought, how can you do that? You've got all these people sitting here, <laughs> coming here to, to, to hear from God and have a relationship with God, and some come, you know, in need of a touch from God, and I can tell you, you were up all night watching TV, weren't you? You can tell by the things said that this wasn't prepared. <laughs> and I think we ought never to treat the things that God has us doing, whether it's preaching or, or something else in life, and treat them at a low level like that where, where we're not ready. How many know you can be ready spiritually, emotionally, physically, and we ought to be prepared in different areas of life for what we're about to do if that thing is of value, if it is an honorable thing to get involved with. Do you know that's even possible to prepare? I know probably not a lot of people think this way, but let me make you think that way for a moment. You know it's possible for you and I, of course me, I, this is my job, let me leave myself out of it for a moment. I'm, I better, bless God, prepare and be ready. But you know you can prepare spiritually for church? I know a lot of people have never even crossed their mind that they would pray before church. <laughs> that they would be spiritually built up and come at a higher level. Many times the, the idea is that, well, I'm going to church to get that, to just carry me through my week, <laughs> to get spiritually built up. But I tell you what, when we, when we think like that, you know, we may, we may receive it. We get built up and then just kind of trickle off through the week. And get built up and trickle off through the week and, and live our lives that way. But it's, it's possible to prepare yourself for something that's valuable. And if you're serving here, how many know it's even more important that you be in a high place spiritually? How many know it's important for our worship leaders to come in and this, this wasn't the first time they said praise the Lord? That they have a lifestyle and, a, and it's their way of life where they're glorifying God and they love to serve Him. Because they can take the service to a higher level if they'll be that way. But all of us, in reality, if we live at a higher level, we come in higher and the whole service goes up. I really love this for our believers' meetings. I'm encouraging people. I want them to come in and to where the water table of spirituality is at a higher level so we go further when we're here. Amen. And then what ends up is we all live our lives at a higher spiritual level. But it it takes a little bit of preparation. We have to do it in in such a way where we say, this is of God. Man, this is a God thing. This is a good thing. This is worthy of my time and effort. I'm a Christian, so I'm going to bring my best. I'm going to come prepared. I'm going to be ready spiritually. I'm going to be ready emotionally. How how many know you you need to prepare yourself emotionally for certain things that you do in life? Even when you're serving. Get your gay game on. Come on. Get up. Let's get happy. Put a smile on your face. If you're going to work and you're just hating life and hating the job and everything, you're not going to perform very well. You know, even physically, I, I know the, the Lord has stirred my heart at different times in the past where I, I'd do services. You know, when we were doing three services on the weekend in our old facility, uh, there'd be some, some weekends I just felt like I was just beat up. <laughs> I'm like, bam, wow, this is, uh, this, is, this is hitting me. Physically, I was just tired. And I felt like at one point the Lord was dealing with me to get myself in better shape, not for approval, so I can do the ministry better. So I can handle more, so I can go further and accomplish more. And you know what? It's worth it. Why? Because it's of God. I want to serve Him acceptably. Not, well, I'm just dragging it. I can't do anything else. Okay, don't do anything else. But you're, you know, this is, this is a God thing. 
Let's remember that. Amen. All right. So number one, say it out loud. I always bring my best. And number two, number two, ready for number two? I always show up on time. I didn't know you were going to say it out loud after me, but I'm glad you did. I was going to wait until later, so I talked about it a little bit first, because some of you feel like you're lying, and you are. Uh, But we have grace and mercy. We'll forgive you for lying and being late. Uh, But how many know this is an excellent spirit? This is acceptable serving of God. What you do in your life, if it's worth doing, it's worth showing up. What? On time. On time. I would encourage you, never make excuses because of your past, your culture, your, you know, whatever. Well, this is the way we do it, and this is, this is how we do it. You know, and time doesn't really, we don't care about the clock. Uh, when others are there, when others are counting on you, when you're doing the work of God, how many know on time is a very valuable thing? It really is. It shows honor to God. It is respected by others. And being on time is an important thing. How many are glad that the Lord is on time? Yeah. Let me give you a scripture, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time, fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. When? The fullness of time. In other words, at the exact and perfect time, Jesus came. Not a year late. Not, 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 not ten minutes late. At the perfect time, God sent forth His Son. And it, everything worked out just perfectly because God has a calendar. <laughs> because God knows when things need to happen. How many know not... Not one person has ever gone to heaven and, and talked, had the, his, their first conversation face-to-face with the Lord. And they said, God, why didn't you save me? I mean, I, I went off a cliff. That's why I'm here. I wasn't done with my life. I drove off a cliff. And God said, you know, sorry, uh, I was running late. I mean, I had some things to do. I mean, I got the universe to run and everything. And... I was there, but you were already at the bottom of the cliff. So welcome home. <laughs> no. Uh, that'd be pretty hard to rely on someone who is just kind of always running late. Amen. <laughs> and thank God He is faithful. He is reliable. And we're not going to live our lives hoping that God, uh, you know, knows what's going on. Do you know the bill is due? <laughs> yeah. And he's never late. Let's not be late either. Say it out loud. I always show up on time. Amen. If that's a faith statement for you, good. Say it ten more times. <laughs> Go ahead. No. <I'm laughs> All right. Number three. Number three. I'm a Christian, so I always bring my best. I always show up on time. Number three. I pay attention to the details. I'm a Christian. I represent God. I want to serve him acceptably. I pay attention to the details. Those who don't serve in an acceptable manner, they treat the things of God as if they're lesser than or not quite as important, they oftentimes cut corners. They don't do a, uh, they don't bring their best. They, uh, they're oftentimes not looking at the details. I, I remember speaking with a, a young woman in our church who was attending uh, some classes at Boise State, and she told me she had a typology class, all right, and, uh, you know, for production and brochures and, you know, getting the right wording and there's probably a lot more to it than that but she told me in class that her instructor there used church material as an example of what not to do yeah 
how dare she? Or he or whoever. <laughs> well, that's a sad commentary, isn't it? In other words, they brought, you know, church publications and newsletters, brochures, bulletins, whatever it was. And she, uh, she or he, I don't know what the instructor was, brought those to the class and said, don't do it like this, don't do this, don't do it like this. And uh, yikes, I hate that. Huh? Well, what does that say? Well, I think the church, wherever they got their material from, was not this one. <laughs> but what, I, what do I think? They didn't pay attention to the details. And I know everyone can make little mistakes, and we're not talk, talk, talking about that, but I'm talking about an attitude here. Talking about a heart of commitment to pay attention to the details. You know, one time uh, we were having lunch somewhere here in town at this burger joint, and uh, we're there enjoying our burger. And uh, and I look up at one point. I look over into the corner of this building. wasn't too far from where we were sitting, where the walls came together. How many know in the corners are important to people who are serving God? And I look over into the corner. And there was a weed growing. This was inside. This wasn't an outdoor, you know, inside the building, weed growing. I thought, well, look at there. There's a weed growing in the building. I examined my burger again (laughs) before taking the next bite. I thought, ah, you know, how many know if there's a weed growing there? You're wondering what else is growing in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> what else is going on? Do they wash the utensils? Do, you know, uh, what's, what's happening in there? You know, our family likes to watch the Restaurant Impossible show on, on television. Anybody, anybody ever seen that, that show? How many know you don't want to go out to eat after you see what they're doing in the kitchen? <laughs> and what's that whole lot of grime and yuck and un, unkept stuff? And, and people don't pay attention to the details. And how many know over time they build up? And your detail became a, I don't know, big tail, something, I don't know. It became a big problem. But as Christians that serve in the Lord, no matter what your ministry, whether you have a restaurant or whether you're, uh, you're here ushering or whether, you, you know, in your job, wherever you serve God, we serve God in many different ways, but we serve Him continually, pay attention to the details. Amen. It shows honor to God. It is excellence that honors Him. All right. Number four. Number four. Everybody ready? I always complete what I begin. I always complete what I begin. Everybody ready to say it? <laughs> Anybody feel like you can't say it? Okay. Vision, vision here. Faith statement. Say it out loud. I always complete what I begin. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank God He's not going to leave us half finished. He's not going to leave us at a certain point and not complete the work. God is a completer. And how many know we ought to be finishers? We ought to be completers. Paul said in our text, I finished the race. In other words, I completed my course. If I'm going to complete the big course, let me know I've got to complete a lot of little things along the way. There's a lot of assignments throughout my life, the things the Lord wants me to get involved with and do, and I need to finish those, not leave a big trail of undone projects, all right? If you find yourself doing the wrong thing, you don't have to finish that. Sometimes we find ourselves involved with something and it's the wrong thing, leave it, leave it. But when you're doing the right thing, do it all the way to the end. 
complete the task. Amen. If you're reading the right book, read the whole thing. You know, if it's a waste of your time, put it away. But if it's the right book, read the whole thing. Amen. Say it out loud. I always complete what I begin. Amen. All right, number five. Number five. As a Christian now, serving God acceptably, I do all unto the glory of God. I do all unto the glory of God. In other words, I want to be able to say and answer this question correctly. Is what I'm doing, is how I'm doing it glorifying to God? Is it, does it bring God glory that I'm doing what I'm doing and that I'm doing it at this level with this intensity, with this heart, with this commitment? Am I doing it in such a way that gives glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 reads, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Praise God. And so, and, and so we want to uh, do things to, to, to the glory of God. You know, sometimes, you know, when we're, we're, we're out, out to eat at, at some places and we'll, you know, some places you go and when you're done, you pick up your tray and you get rid of your own trash. I know that's not the high-end places that you eat, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you ever, watch, you ever watch some people, they'll pick up their tray and that napkin will fall on the floor and they'll just go like that and leave it there? I, I just don't see how God's glorified in that. You know, they're not paying attention to, I'm going back and forth a little bit, paying attention to the details. You know, people leave a mess here and they don't, they, they don't, they don't clean it up. You know, I, when, if I go use the bathroom and use the sink and, and I, I wash my hands and, and water gets splashed around, when I'm drying my hands, I dry all the stuff off the counter too. Why? Why wouldn't I? Why would I leave a mess for somebody else? Amen. Lots could be said about the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right place. Maybe you're supposed to learn some of these things at home when you're young. But if you didn't, just say this as you're leaving. Glory to God. Hope you're glorified here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So we do all unto the glory of God. If you're ever questioning if God is approving or pleased with a particular activity. You can ask yourself the question, does it bring God glory? Does it bring God glory? Now let me give you, uh, let me give you another list. Can I give you five more things? These are keys to usability. And I won't take as much time on these because we're going to go to Matthew 25 here in a moment. Keys to usability. We talked to you at length about number one a few weeks ago, but number one is be available. Number one is be available. You have to be available to God. Here I am, Lord. Send me. If you're not available, you're not usable. Number two is you must be reliable. Must be reliable. If you said you would do it, do it. Do it. If you gave your word to someone, if you told them, I'll do this for you, I'll be here for you, I'll handle this for you, you make sure and do what you said you would do. Be reliable. Amen. Praise God. Number three, number three, be present, not just in spirit. Show up with your body, spirit, soul, and body. Sometimes just being present continually puts yourself in a position to be used. But being present anywhere, whether you're talking uh, church, of course, I, I, that's what I have in mind, but it, it extends out to other things in life. Uh, being present, being there 
is necessary. I remember many years ago I had a certain area of ministry. I was wanting to add to what we were doing. I thought this would be really good if we could do this. And it had a particular person in the ministry, in the church, that I thought they really fit the bill. They really uh, were the right person. They had the right gifting and right um, uh, skill set. And seemed to be, you know, they were a kind person and everything, and they really seemed to match up well, and I, I, we talked about it, and I said, hey, we're going to start this area of ministry. I think, I think you could do a really good job here. And I, I said, T- talk to me about it. You want to do this? Yes. I said, well, how would you do this? He said, here's what I do. I do this, and then I do this. And he had it all lined out. I mean, well, well thought through. He had, a, he had a good plan to implement this thing. And so I said, good, let's go. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's take off. And, and we started, started uh, and we implemented this particular area. But then the next, you know, a few weeks later, uh, he just wouldn't show up. You know, we talked about that before, how, you know, if you're volunteering, you don't have to show up like you're, as if you're being paid, right? Because, you know, it's not like you're getting paid or anything. Anyway. That was sarcasm. Uh, Anyway, he wouldn't show up. And I'm like, where is he? What's going on? And uh, then the next week he'd be late. And and after a little while, I was like, this is not working. I I talked to him. I said, what's going on here? I said, we can't do this this way. I said, we either have to do it or not do it. And and someone said, well, it's better to have a little bit than, you know, than, than nothing, right? No, that's not the way we serve God. That is not acceptable way of serving God where someone's present some of the time and some of the time they're not. And so we had to shut her down. We had to shut that area ministry down and he wasn't able to be used of God. And it's not that he couldn't do it. It's just he didn't have it at the level in his own heart of what it took to be successful. And he could have influenced many pe- people's lives in, in that regard. But we need to be present. Number three, number four, we need to be consistent. Need to be consistent. If you find yourself having a, a track record of inconsistency, in and out, up and down, you know, one day this, another day you're another this way, you know, maybe being driven by emotion or, or, what, or circumstances of life, you know, those are the areas that we need to uh, tighten our, our, our grip on, on what's really important, okay? Being consistent, this is so others can predict your behavior. Are you predictable? Some, would, some might think, well, no, I, I don't want to be predictable. Yes, you do. In things that matter, in things that are important, you want to be able to have all your friends and family know you can rely on this person because they're this way every time. Every time they say they'll do, they'll do it. Every time they get involved with this, they do it at this, this certain level. How many know in business, you, you know, if, let's say you're a, uh, you're a cabinet maker. How many know you, wanna, you want a reputation of being consistent? That it's not like one project you do a bang up job and, and the next time all the doors don't match, the, you know, they're not in alignment or something like that and, and you just kind of never know what you're going to get out of that person. Well, consistency will take you far. Consistency will make you money in life. Consistency will honor God and be appreciated and respected by people. All right. Number five, number five, you want to be usable, you need to be respectful. Respect is necessary. Uh, we're talking about how we treat others. We're talking about how we treat their property. Talking about uh, our treatment of people is really, ultimately, how we treat God. Okay? Now, look at Matthew 25. I don't know if you made your way over there. Matthew, the 25th chapter. And I want to finish up over here. 
and uh, remind you of this very powerful truth that will really alter the way that we run our race. Matthew chapter 25, notice with me in verse 34, 25, 34, Jesus speaking here. It says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, and let me give you the context. He's talking about like a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats, how in the end, before the judgment seat, that this is the way it will happen. The king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And he went on, if you read the context, he said basically the same thing, but opposite to those who were being cast out. And he said, you didn't do it to me. You didn't do it to them. You didn't do it to me. This is a principle, a a, a kingdom truth That we should all be conscious of at all times. And that is that how we treat each other is how we treat the Lord. What I do for you, I am doing for God. What I fail to do for you, I fail to do to the Lord. And we know this is is true. We could show you this in a number of places in Scripture. But it's true in the specific examples of helping people who are in need, visiting those who uh, are in trouble. Uh, It's true with those examples, but think about the principle that goes beyond that. I'm convinced this today, that those who helped you park in the parking lot today, they helped Jesus park their car. Yeah, it was taken that way in heaven. It was received that way. If you've got something at the cafe... uh, They made Jesus some coffee. Yeah. How many other kind of ups the game a little bit? I'm making Jesus a coffee here. You know? I don't know if Jesus drinks coffee. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't smoke or drink coffee. But... (laughs) But think about it now. Those who are ministering to our children today. How many know they're ministering to Jesus? They really are. This is how God takes it. Whatever you are doing for Him, for, let me say it this way, whatever you are doing for someone else, serving, helping, lifting, enabling, blessing, whatever you're doing, ultimately you are doing that for the Lord and He is taking it personally. What an honor. I mean, I think if the Lord Jesus were to walk in here in the flesh and we were to serve Him in some capacity, do something for Him, I have a feeling we would pull the weed. Pick up the the stuff that fell off the tray. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You know, we would do so in in such a high manner, with such high respect, because it's the Master. It's Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I'm going to fix myself up and um, present myself the best I possibly can. Because this is the Lord. But here's the truth. That's happening. 
whether we see Him or not. How we serve Him, the attitude of our heart, is being received. It's either honoring Him or it's not. And so when we serve each other, we do things for each other. Even when we're, we're working on the job and it's not a church thing, but it, I mean, you're a Christian on your job, aren't you? I mean, it, it's not just here. We don't lose our salvation when we go out the door. Amen. Start talking in sign language and stuff to the drivers along the street. No, no, no. We serve God all the time. <laughs> Amen. And so we want to do so on a high level, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Amen. Stand up with me today. Now it's time. Let's get ready. Let's worship Him. Let's enter in right now for a few moments. And let's worship God. How, how should we do it? With, with grace, acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. We do so in a high level. Top priority in my mind right now. I'm going to worship Him. Give Him the glory that He deserves. Amen.